Look, if you uh, was here maybe in mid-November and were packing a shoebox, you had the chance of putting on there where you could follow your shoebox. Did anybody do that? Did you do that or not? No one did it? Just Ruth and I? Steve did it? Okay, did you get information where it went? Where'd yours go? Haiti? That's where ours went. Did anybody go anywhere else than Haiti? It's pretty cool. Think your shoebox right here went to Haiti and blessed some Haitian with something about the Lord and some gifts. That's always a fun time. It's, I always get excited and like to know where it went. Okay. Have you ever heard of the word ecclesia? You remember what that means? Ecclesia is those who've been touched by God and are called out. They're called out. Called out of what? Called out of this world. Called out of Egypt. That lifestyle called out. So in a sense, you yourself as a person are, are a church unto God. You know, whatever you want to call yourself, First Assembly of Joe. Okay? I am uh, called out by God, sanctified by the Lord for his purpose and work. So in a type, I'm kind of like a church to God. And then we are a corporate church here. Okay? And so my message here this morning is you and I are facing a decision. Of what kind of church we're going to be. What kind of church we're going to be. Deuteronomy 30 says this to us now. And I, when I read this, it's not flippantly or lightly. I believe the Lord is up there listening. And he says this, I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing, therefore... Choose life, that both you and thy seed may live. Your seed is those who have followed after you. So this decision is absolutely crucial, is it not? And even if you're like hesitant and not sure what to do, the Lord tells you, therefore, choose life. <clears throat> so another scripture, Joshua 24, 15 says this, Choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, as for me, he says, my house, we will serve the Lord. So there's choices. Choices here. Choices that you can serve uh, gods on the other side of the flood. To me, that's like a comfortable church. Comfortable God, no pressure, no waves, not being put on the spot, not being provoked by the Spirit of God. Go in the church, pet the dog, buy baloney, and do that for 40 years. <clears throat> then he goes on and says, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. America seems to be changing her God, wanting nothing to do with God making their own gods. So the Bible's saying here, okay, you can choose that if you want. Choose the God and where you live. Joshua goes on, thank the Lord for that. He goes, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, they had to make a choice. Everyone serves some type of God. Now, I know that you probably saw this, maybe most of you, NFL's in the midst of playoffs, and uh, they had a, like a 30-inch snowfall right before the game, right? The stadium, the game, that's their church, their sanctuary. 
Did they call off? Did you see it in the news? They were lined up with their shovels going into the stadium that holds 60, 65,000 people in their church, I mean. And they shoveled out a seat so they could sit there in two-degree weather and watch the game or worship their God. Everybody has gods. They made a choice. 30 inches of snow fell. They're like, we're going to church. You understand what I'm saying now? Okay, everybody has to make a choice. We have to choose as well. You and I right here today, we have to decide what kind of church. I want the, just the comfortable, laid back, no one bothers me. The church I had before my eyes were open to God. Or do you want the church that your country is now creating, throwing Jesus out, telling you this and that, everything's okay? You want that one? Or do you want the one that has caused you to become born again, full of life? Choose you this day, is what Joshua is saying. And that's what's happening to us. It just is. You might not like it. It's kind of like Pastor Jason's message last uh, Sunday. Uh, he got on the plane to go somewhere and hit all that horrible turbulence. That's, where are you going to go? You're going to get off? You're going to say, stop, let me out? I mean, you're on, right? And that's the way we are in this now. This is, we are on this. So you have to make a choice, and I hope you choose wisely today. Luke 14, 28 says this, For which of you, and this is why this whole message is today, because you have to do this. Which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and count the cost? Whether you have sufficient to finish it, Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. So, here's where I have been. I have felt for years, absolute years, and I've said this before, and I'm saying it again. Even though I know that I am born again, I feel like I'm in a born-again, sleeping, dying movement. From what I see in the Word, what we study on Sunday night, what I look at over and over, it just doesn't seem like we have the same thing. It doesn't to me. It just doesn't. Now, I know that there's a cost to pay, and I believe Ruth and I have paid a price to be what we are being while we still have breath. We all have to some degree. We do our best to count the cost, but I've been telling the Lord lately again, it seems to come back to me off and on, I don't think I'm getting what you've paid for. Now listen to me carefully, it's not an accusation against the Lord. No, 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 you might take that, no, you're wrong if you do. Listen to me, this is not an accusation against the Lord, but it's an accusation against me. It's against me, it's against us, it's against the church. This can't be what God just has for us. You have to choose. You have to choose is what the Word of God is saying. It is for the church to explore the resources of the Spirit. Us, we got to go after it. The hidden manna, got to dig and look for it and cry out for it and want it and long for it and ache for it. The resources of the world are futile. Aren't they? 
There, there, there's nothing there. It just isn't. The resources of the church, that means us within herself, are inadequate. Lord, I want this, but I can't do it. Lord, I believe, but help my. That's that, that inadequate, just can't. This promise, this belief, this calling is awesome. John 14, 16 says this. Listen to the promise. Jesus said this, and I will pray. God said, I'm going to go talk to the Father about you. That's Pastor Joe translation. That's not, that's not far off. I will pray the Father. I will talk to the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. See, the Lord says, I'm going to be leaving soon, but I'm going to give you another. I've talked to the Father. It's all set up. Even the Spirit of truth, he'll be known by that. Whom the world cannot receive. They can't. They can't receive it. There's no room, it seems like, for the Lord in some people's lives. Because it seeth him not, neither know him. But you know him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This is before the Spirit of God came. Jesus had not gone back to the Father. This is now after. You all have the Spirit of God in you if you're a true Christian. Because the Lord says, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. God knows what's coming. He knows the turbulence that we're flying into. He says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Comfortless means to be deprived of a teacher. I'm not going to let you out. I don't know what to do. Lord, you abandoned me. Where are you? He said, I'm not going to do that to you. I would never do that to you. Meaning like a, a, an orphan. God says, I won't do that. Acts 1.8 then goes on and tells us, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost comes. This is the comforter, one like me. God, the Spirit, God, the Holy Ghost. John 14.12 says, verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. That's us. This is us, unless you're content to live on the other side of the river. Don't bother me. I'm going to watch the game, play bingo, have my bologna sandwich, buy a cat, pet the dog, and work 40 years. Or are you going to adopt the new religion that our nation seems to be running towards? The work that I do. Jesus did not expect his disciples to disband once he went back. Well, that was a good run. We did pretty good. But they were to carry on the work in even a greater magnitude. That's what he's expecting from us. That's there for us. It's on our table. It's on the plate. For some reason, we seem to keep passing that part over. We like shoveling in the mashed potatoes of blessings and the gravy of glory. We like all that stuff, but we kind of pass over some of this other stuff. For some reason, I don't know why. Greater works than these. This promise seems like that's impossible. It's almost blasphemy to say that. No, it's not. No, it's not. Jesus said it to us. 
After Peter's first sermon, when the Lord went back, more people came to Christ than when Christ walked the earth. That's what he's talking about. The Spirit of God did it through Peter. That's what he wants from us. This is what your choice has to be. You've got to make a choice. You can't be just, well, I'm going to sit on the fence. There's no fence. Greater is not more sensational. I'm not talking about that stuff. It's just greater in magnitude. Man, all of you doing that. Instead of just the Lord doing his best while he was here in the flesh, now we can all do it. He said, that's why I'm going to go talk to the Father about you. That you need this. So Jesus said, I'm not leaving you behind a a defeated church. It's a victorious church, a working church, not a cowering church. But you have to decide. Now look, the disciples were still seeing military and political power. I think that's what some of us are doing, especially the political part. That's what the disciples were into. That's why they rejected Christ and all his power. Because when it came to sense that he didn't come to overthrow Rome, we're like, what? Beat it then. They turned on him. It didn't seem attractive to them. When he was offering supernatural, spiritual, real power. And like, what? And I can still pay these taxes? We thought you were going to be a great general, a tremendous admiral. So they missed the Christ. They missed him. They were thinking of political power. We're going to take the White House back. And leaving Christ on the sidelines. They missed it. Jesus gives them the key. Zechariah 4, 6, sorry. Jesus says this. Jesus says this. The Spirit of God. Then he answered and spake unto them, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel. Hey, it's not by might. It's not by power. You understand? Your Lord who died for you, who's the head of the church, is saying this to you right now. It's by my Spirit. Are you listening? It's by my spirit. Now, it depends where you're at and what church you choose. You could take the first church of cruising. Or whatever. Or you could become anti against the church like the world is. Or you could start saying, man, that's right. You mean God has this for me? Yes, he does. He always has. It's always been on our table. So that's the key. The Lord's telling you, I'm telling you what the key is. It's not might. It's not power. It's not numbers. It's not money. It's not buildings. It's not crowds. It's my spirit. It's by my spirit. It's not social groups, this group, grieving groups, alcohol groups. It's my spirit. God is saying. That's not how we think. We don't think that way. We don't. I think because we're in the wrong camp. You need to hit the brakes, wind that window up, turn that key off, and get out of that. I don't want to serve like that anymore. 
we fall back into that. The flesh loves that. No confrontations. You know, I can't wait to go out and buy my new hammock this year. I'm going to have Bluetooth, Wi-Fi. My hammock's going to be awesome. It, that's what I'm telling you. That's what the Spirit of God. Samuel Chadwick, an old, tremendous man of God. These guys were into the Spirit of God. They knew they could not function without the Spirit of God. I don't know how we do it. We do pretty good with what we got. Here's what he said about the Spirit of God, God's Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of God. He is the Spirit of truth. Truth. How can we get mixed up so bad as a church when you have the Spirit of God inside you who's the Spirit of truth? Truth. When something comes your way and it's a spoof and it's faking you out, the Spirit of truth ought to be going, ah, 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 ah. It's inside of you. Or he's the spirit of witness. Who witnesses anymore? Do you get a witness at times in life when things are confronting you? He's the spirit of witness. He's the spirit of conviction. Well, I didn't know I shouldn't do. What? The spirit of conviction should be inside of you saying, put that down. That's what he is to us. Doesn't go in this kind of ride. We don't like that. Just some of this, so many more. He's the spirit of holiness. What are you doing dressing like, wearing like that, talking like that, looking like that, dating that? What are you doing? He's the spirit of holiness without which no man shall. He's the spirit of liberty, frees you. No longer bound by chains. It's the spirit of wisdom. God, I don't know what to do with my oldest son. The spirit of wisdom. That's what he is to us. Spirit of adoption. Everybody hates me, and yet God comes to you and says, No, I love you and I died for you. You're my child. The spirit of help. Oh, God, I don't know what to do. Spirit of help. Spirit of promise, spirit of love, the spirit of meekness, of sound mind. How can we not have a sound mind in the house of God? He's the spirit. I'm not saying everything you're going to roller skate through life eating strawberries. But you'll have a sound mind. Washed by the water of water. Don't let the world wash your mind. Sound mind, the spirit of grace. Grace comes upon you. So powerful is the grace of God. The spirit of glory and the spirit of prophecy. That's just some of what Chadwick is saying. This is what the church must explore. These powerful attributes of the Holy Spirit, that's what you have to choose. Do you want to go for that? Or you just want to ride and go get a milkshake? I know what the flesh wants. If we let the flesh go, you'll pull in and get a milkshake beside me. God does not care about costly buildings. He seeks men. When I say men, humanity, he wants men. He needs men. He dwells in men. Men are God's method. People are God's method. 
right? He created this beautiful Garden of Eden. Then he created humanity, put us in it, and said what? Keep it and take care of it. That's what God, you are God's reason for doing things. Church always seems to be looking for new methods, new plans, new buildings, new ideas. Here's what the Lord's looking for. Now listen to me. The keys, these are keys. Here's what the Lord's looking for. Not things that you don't know. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth. That means God's eyes has come through your life. Your walk in life, your family in life, your leadership, your working, whatever it is, he's come through your life and looked. To show himself strong on behalf of them whose heart is perfect. Oh, come on. Lord, who could be perfect, pastor? That word perfect means committed, loyal, devoted. Now, if the people in Buffalo can be committed to a football game to go watch it, pay money to a bunch of people who don't care about them, how could we not be committed? You can be committed. You can be. You're committed to something, whatever you want to. means to be devoted. That's what it means. Committed, devoted, and loyal. That's who God's looking for. So his eyes have gone through your camp and your home and your lifestyle. Looking. Holy Spirit doesn't fall on methods. He falls on people. Falls on men and women. The psalmist said this in Psalms 92. He says, but my power shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. That word horn means power. That's why I put that word power in there. So God is saying, His po- your power shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Fresh oil. Some of us could be running on the same oil we had when we first got saved. Some of us could be running on 10-year-old oil. God is saying, no, you've got to have oil change, filter change. Your heart needs cleansed. Your mind needs cleansed. You've got to have fresh oil, fresh desire, fresh longing, fresh hunger, fresh craving for me. Or else you just got old oil. Do that in your car, your 30,000, 40,000 used car you spend for. Don't change the oil. You know that's ridiculous because the cost you'll pay. How about now? Are we paying a cost? Seriously. Oh, my gosh. I swear at times I feel a sense of resistance about the Spirit of God. God the Holy Ghost in here. I'm stunned. Fresh means speaks of a, a renewing of an anointing of Almighty God. Catherine Coleman, anybody ever see her, watch her, remember her, read a book about her? She had her ups and downs, goofy sometimes the way she looked, but can't deny the power of God that moved through her. She gave it all to the Holy Ghost, and she said what? I'm sunk if he doesn't move. That's us. Man, if he doesn't move, let's pack it up and go. 
Why just hang around here until we keep seeing everybody get picked off? We can't do this in our own strength. It's impossible. So Matthew says this, and, I'm, and I've been asking this, Lord, all week because I'm being stirred by this. Look at this, writing it down. Lord, am I old wineskins? Sometimes I even ask, maybe I'm a dinosaur now. Matthew 9, 17 says, Neither do men put new wine into old bottles. New wine, the Spirit of God, a fresh filling. God, fill me up again. And if I'm just an old, decrepit dinosaur, the Lord's probably going, why? Neither do men put new wine into old bottles, else the bottles break. The fermentation, the, the, the moving of the wine, it'll expand if it's an old, rigid. And the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and then both are preserved. And I keep telling the Lord, Lord, I don't, I don't know where I am. I know that my body feels old. I know I'm 74, pushing 75, but I don't care, Lord. Can you still do that with me? I don't want passed by. Lord, do I need to be a new bottle? Have my traditions made the word of God of no effect? Lord, has this world that's gone crazy deadened my desire for the truth of the word of God? Lord, make me a new bottle today. Today. Do you have that longing and that desire? Or are you fine on this side of the river? Or are you in the world's doctrine? Eh, love is love. Let it go. Let it be. Acts tells us this. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Uh, son, if you're going down there as full man, you're going to need something. Go down there and walk amongst them. Amongst us, the way we are. So he anoints him with the Holy Ghost and with power. Listen, for this reason, went about doing good. Listen this too. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. Whoa, 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 whoa. This, I don't know. Devil? Healing? Woo, I don't know. This looked a little... Um, Put that window down too. This is this is a nice calmer, nicer ride. Turn the turn the oldies on. Wouldn't it be nice if we were married? Life's great, life and it's not and it's not. <clears throat> Isaiah 10 says this. And it shall come to pass in that day that this, his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of music, because of preaching, because of crowds, because of money. Because of what? Where's that come from? God the Holy Ghost. And we're going to say, mm, I don't know about that. I'm not going to risk What? That's No. All right, listen to this. To all you folks that are true with God, that are in the camp of God, 
You have an unction from the Holy One. I don't care if you think so, you feel like it. You have an unction from the Holy One. So now I have this question. New Hope, do you know what an unction is? Do you personally have an unction? That unction is a Greek word, is charisma. It means anointing. The idea is like anything smeared on. I think that's why we put oil on you. Charisma, anointing, smeared on. That's what it says. John here is referring to a common anointing. Common. Belonging to all believers. Everyone in here. Youngest to the oldest. It's the anointing that makes discernment possible for those who seek the Lord. The anointing of God. You're just like, you know what? He looks good. He talks good. He dresses good. Something's not right. You ever have that inside of you? That's the discernment. That's God the Holy Ghost. It's not you. It's the Spirit of God saying, mm. you ever go to a place, a store, or a neighborhood, or something that just feels creepy? Have you ever? Seriously, have you? I'm like, oh, Ruth, stay away from me. There's stores around we won't go to. They just have that feeling. Evil. Never saw it. Just sensed it. It's the Spirit of God. So when the New Testament speaks of an anointing, it speaks of, of it as belonging to all believers. Every one of you here. New Testament does not speak of a special anointing given to special TV people. Listen carefully, please. Among some Christians today, there is a rather magical or superstitious approach to this anointing. In their mind, the anointing is like a virus or a cold. It's like it can be spread or transferred by casual contact. Here's my Greek, Hebrew, Italian definition of that. Baloney. That's baloney. Do you understand? It is. It truly is. Don't bite on that stuff. It's lies. It's, it's stuff to get crowds and people. It's all it is. Jesus himself tells us what it is. Here's what he says. Luke 4.18. The Lord stands up and says, hey, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The anointing has come upon me. And he did this in church, remember? And they didn't like it. There was a resistance in the house of God. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me. For this reason, to preach the gospel to the poor, to preach the word of God. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted for whatever reason. Their hearts have been broken. To preach deliverance to the captives from whatever drug or addiction or what. Recovery of sight to the blind and set at liberty them that are bruised. That's what the anointing's for. Not for squirreling around on the floor and jumping and acting like a donkey's hind end. But there is a real anointing and Jesus tells us himself what it is and what the purpose is. And it's for us. For you. 
Well, you're on the job in Timbuktu and it's two degrees and your uh, buddy who works with you's heart's broken, his wife has just found out this or doesn't want him. You're anointed to speak in his life. Luke 7, 28 says this, For I say unto you, among those that are born of woman, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist. Pretty cool saying, right? But, I gave you this a long time ago, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than what he just said about John the Baptist. Ooh. Did you ever decide what that is? Mm, I don't know. Change the channel. I just like that. Duke, 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 Duke of Earl. It's all I want in life. What? You have just been touched by God, filled with the Spirit of God, and God has just said, us that are least in the kingdom of God is better than the high watermark in the Old Testament in God, which was John the Baptist. I am? You are. This verse is talking about you and me. It is. It is. It's on our plate, our table. We keep going over it, passing it. I don't know. That's going to give me indigestion. So we leave it untouched. There's a truth contained in that passage that will help us to see our potential as becoming an exceeding great army. And yet we don't want a helping of it. When we talk to people, it's supernatural. If you have God in you, it's supernatural. When you walk in the pick and save, you bring God. You understand that? You do. You're picking up ground meat, pork chops, ground meat, pork chops. You, you got God. You brought God in that store. We bring the presence of God with us. The doctor's office, barber's chair. I have gone to this barber Earl's. Did I down here, Bob and Earl's? I don't go in there proclaiming, I'm a man of God. I don't. I sit in that chair. Been going there long enough now that if somebody slips, they apologize to me in language, slipping, cussing. That's God. I don't. I was the best cusser there was. I got gold medals at home, trophies. And now they feel, oh, I'm sorry. That's the, that's the presence of God. You take God with you wherever you're at. Luke 3.16, John answered, saying unto them all, I, ba I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose, he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It's sitting right on the table that the Lord has provided. And we just seem to go around it. We're afraid of it. Hope you're not against it. Not one of the Old Testament prophets, 
including John, had what was about to be offered in this kingdom of God once the Lord goes back and sends the another. Not one of them had that. Not one. The baptism of the Holy Spirit makes a lifestyle available to us that John didn't know existed. High watermark. You heard the compliment God gave him. After the coming of the Spirit of God, the infilling, not just coming on us, in us, God says, the least is going to blow that away. The ultimate goal here is not to get saved. It's to do the work of God. There's a difference between an immediate goal and the ultimate goal. You have to have success in the immediate goal to make it possible to reach the ultimate goal. That's true. I understand that. Here's how I prove. I was thinking about this. We're in Miami. They decided to go bowling. I used to bowl, but not anymore. And I can prove you go bowling. Who bowls? Anybody ever bowls? Or you bowled one time, three times, two times. You went and watched someone. You have an idea, right, about bowling. Okay, you got the foul line that you can't cross or nothing counts, right? I don't know, six feet maybe out there, there's arrows, right? Those are marks on the bowling alley. It's your immediate goal. When you bowl, you shouldn't be looking there. You look at that marks. If you bowl enough, you say, if I just hit that mark, that ball's going to go right where. You hit that mark, you'll get the goal. The immediate goal, and then the ultimate goal. The pen's go boom. That's the way it is with God. The immediate goal is getting right with God. The boom is the power and working for God. And when I miss the mark, beep, one pin goes. Or, beep, and it goes. I said, man, that's like church. That's. So, that's why I'm saying about comparing it to bowling. Church has been given the authority to make a difference. That's on our table. It says this, Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you power. You know these, but have you really, have you digested them? I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. I give you power. That means roll, clout, command, authority. That's what that means. The New Living, same verse says, look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. You don't have to be bound by alcohol, addicted pornography, or drugs, stuck in a mental illness or depression. We can go take a walk. Let's take a walk and just crush those things in the power of God, with God in us. It's on our table. God says it's for you. I've sent them to you. Go take a walk. Crush them when they come at you. Why would he say this? He said, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. So let's take a walk. As a church, when we pray in our altar calls and our worship, 
Sometimes I swear we're afraid. Or else we don't trust God at his work. Do you remember when God put a circle around the mountain and he said, be there and you guys better come clean. You better not come dirty clothes, dirty behind your ear. You better come clean to that mountain. Remember? And so they came and he drew a circle. He said, don't go past that circle because you'll drop dead because the holiness of God. And so they went to the mountain, all of them, they gathered what happened. And it says, I think it says, and the mountain went on smoke. And all the people took off. God was displaying his power and glory and might, and we ran. Man, how many people in your family, in your life, neighbors, cousins, aunts, uncles, grandmas, need the power of God displayed in their life. They ran. I think because we're afraid we might die or get something and die. Philippians says this, right? Paul said this, for me to live is Christ. And to die is, how do you lose? You get to be used by the power of God and give God glory and how awesome you would feel and if God permits you to die, if someone takes you out, you gain. You're going, I call down Jesus, I come against them. Someone kills you, you're going, Jesus. It's gain. What are we afraid of? For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Luke 9, here he goes. Then he called his 12 disciples together. What's a disciple? A student of Christ, a follower. I hope that's you. You should be a student of Christ or a follower, wanting to learn more about him. He's your teacher. You're going to class. I, I hear you, Lord. Okay, God says, okay, I got this for you, class. I give you power and authority over all the devils and to cure diseases. When's the last time you stop somewhere and pick and save and come across somebody or whatever, how the circumstance says, and ask, uh, can I pray for you? Can I pray that God healed you right now? We probably think that's what? What is the army of God supposed to be doing? I know it doesn't come easy. Not for me either. He didn't, only, he didn't just call the 12. He also gave them power to do what he called them to do. That's why most of the time church is boring to us because we're not doing what God has called us to do. We're trying to do it in our own flesh and strength, and it stinks. It's inadequate. We can't. You're called to heal the sick. Does that mean God, that means that God wanted to use the disciples to bring healing to people wants to do, do more than just save souls, display his power and his might so people turn to God. Now, I know that we've made a huckster out of it in television shows, and so what? We can't take the bath water and, the, and throw it out. If you did, go get the baby. Wouldn't you do that normally? Look, John 1 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children. You have overcome them because greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world. Now listen to me. I almost titled it this. 2024 is going to be the year of the seatbelt. Just like Pastor Jason's plane ride. What do you think all those people were doing? After a few... Click, 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 click. Signs going on. Beam. It's going to be a year of turbulence in our nation. And the seatbelt for us is Christ. It's his word. Our word. Have I hidden my heart? I will not sin against thee. It's going to be, it just is. I wish it wasn't, but it is. It's going to be tremendous turbulence coming to our nation. In fact, if you're true and honest, and turn the radio down for a minute and wind a window and quit cruising, you have to say, you know what? I felt that turbulence. And what are you going to do with your children? Better seat belt them all in with the Word of God. You must. Do you remember when God put Esther on the spot? Esther, queen to an evil king. You remember the story? Mordecai was, I think, uncle to Esther, Jewish person. The king just put out a, a, a law that all Jews are going to die. Esther's a Jew and she's queen to the evil king. Mordecai says, someone tell Esther. Esther, we need your help. You're in a position where you can help. Esther 4.10 says that Esther told Hatok, weird name, to go back and relay this message to Mordecai. So Esther gets the message. Mordecai says, all the Jews are going to die. You got to help us do something. Go to the king's presence. Get in his presence and say, stop. This is dumb. Do something. Now, if you're dwelling in the nice, comfortable church, because that was Esther's first response. Just turn that music down a little bit. What? It's against the law to go, king. I can't go see the king unless he calls for me. If I go see the king, he's in a bad mood. He can kill me instantly. In fact, he's done that before. I don't. That's what she did. That was her first response. All the king's officials and even the people in the province know that anyone who appears before the king is in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out the golden scepter and the king has not called for me to come. Tell Mordecai that! So that message goes back to Mordecai. Mordecai sends another one back. It's like texting. Sends another one back. Esther? Now listen to this church. This is us. We're Esther. We're in a position to do something. Don't think for a moment that because you're in a place, a palace, you will escape when all the Jews are killed. Don't you think for a moment. You're going to go, sorry, sorry for those people, Ruth, nice person, Carol, they were nice, but glad I'm not them. God told Esther, no, 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 don't you think. 14, if you keep quiet 
at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise, but from somewhere else. Like, oh no. Meaning, Talbot New Hope, we've gone through all this, all these 33 years, the ups and downs, the heartbreaks, the battles, the finances, the building projects, people in and out, leaving, coming, saying, bother, for God to say, I can't use you. If you keep quiet, Esther, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. You see, we don't have a choice. We don't. We don't. Look, when you go to heaven, you're not going to accuse me of not telling you the truth. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. No. It's impossible because of time for me to give you my entire background of when I've come to Christ, and now here I am, 50 years later this year, serving God. All the people that I started out with, all the people with the same desires and wept and cried and wanted to be used for God and a pastor and have a church of their own, none of you know them. Fell off, fell away, I don't know what happened, didn't work, I don't know. I don't know those answers. But here I am 50 years later. I believe this is why the Lord has raised up new hope. We're 33 or 4 years old soon, but in just a little over 20 years, everything you see has been paid off. How's that happen? Ask other pastors. So when the fog of deception rolls in and it's coming, and the furnace is heated seven times hotter. They're already talking about a new virus, virus X. hundred times deadlier than COVID. They're already talking about making all your money digital. So if you don't do what they say, they just press a button and your money's gone. That's in the works. And you're going to go, uh, just change the channel. Choose you this day. So new hope has to be this light shining in darkness. We have to. On the job, here, wherever you're at. There has to be soldiers going behind the enemy's line. Lord, give me one more. You remember that message? Where the true story, the World War II guy would just cry out to God, God, give me one more, and he'd crawl behind enemy lines, bombs going off, for he didn't believe in wearing guns, and he'd grab someone half blown apart and drag him back to save his life. Arms bleeding, you seen the story? And he was out of, and he'd say, Lord, give me one more, and he'd go do it again. That's what New Hope is here for. It is. Just give me one more, Lord. New Hope has to be that place. 
And we have to decide. You have to make that choice. Because Matthew tells us sin will be rampant everywhere. And the love of many are going to grow cold. People will leave church, leave this church. They're going to. When the turbulence starts and the pressure's on, lifestyles, jobs, whatever, I don't know how or when, but turbulence is coming. God says you're going to have to choose. You want the church of comfort that you build out for yourself? Or you want the church, the world says, non-essential, no waves, shut up, stay in line, and we'll permit you to buy food. Okay. Or are you going to press into God and trust God? Ecclesiastes. Carol's been called out. She has to make a choice. Tim has to make a choice. I have to make a choice. Called out. New hope. Been placed here, planted here, right here. We have to make a choice. Let's stand. Just like Joshua said, as for me and my house, we're, we're going to serve the Lord. But listen, even as we come to this close in this time, I'm going I'm to tell the Lord, Lord, I, I'm not acting like a superhero. I'm not acting, church, you act like me. No, I'm not. I'm just saying, Lord, please, you got to put in me what I need to be able to stand in these last days. To be able to continue to preach the truth, dig for the truth, bark the truth out, counsel the truth with compassion and loving care. Lord, you have to, and, st- and on Wednesday, a lot of us, I go around and pray for, especially us older guys, and I pray, Lord, if you want us to run with the horses, then you've got to touch these bodies. You've got to touch them, Lord. You've got to touch them so we can run. We still have strength to do it, that we can go for it. Because it's all up to God. So we're going to have our altar call. Rod, I forgot to call you guys. And as they play... I want you to make your choice. And remember what he said, therefore choose life. Choose life. You today, you're the ones being told us today, that both you and those you who love and thy seed, those will come after you. Maybe those I'll never see. In my life, as my grandchildren have children, But if I live and choose God with my wife, then that seed will be blessed of God. That's the choice we're willing to make. I hope all of you are. Facing that decision, please choose life. As the band plays, our altar is always open so that you can actually come down and say, Lord, I'm here. I'm making my decision. I want to serve you. Help me, please. And I will. That's our all.